0: Hey guys, before I begin, can I just give a huge thank you to all the supportive, sweet, super incredibly nice comments on my latest Instagram post about the future of this podcast. Um, Super bittersweet, but I am really excited about the decision that I've made. However, it was a very difficult one. So um, thanks for kind of keeping my head up on that one because I was really struggling with it. Um, Secondly, I'm holding Belly Women Prenatal in my hand right now. They were nice enough to send me one so that I could kind of look it over, look over the ingredients. And my question is, why is every prenatal these days not folate based? This one is, thankfully, and I just love that about it. But like, seriously, why is every prenatal not folate based? I don't, I don't understand. Um, and also I love that they have belly women and they have belly men because, you know, quoting their words from their website two prenatals, are better than one and yeah i truly believe that kind of a cool, kind of a cool concept um anyways they did offer me a discount to throw out to you guys let me just look it up here because i am clearly unorganized okay got it here it is l-a-m-10 and that's capital l-a-m-10 Ten for 10% off so go snag yourself and your man some belly women and belly men prenatal multivitamins for 10% off and I'll go ahead and I will leave that link in the description of this episode but like I said LAM10 is your code at checkout all right let's get into today's episode Hello everyone. We have Nicole Cox on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Nicole, I am just going to toss it to you. Start wherever you'd like.
1: All right. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Um and I I listened to this podcast and kind of joined this group after my miscarriage, so it helped me and so hopefully my story will will help and resonate with some other people as well. Um I would say that honestly, um, I was on the fence about kids. I could see myself going both directions. I could see myself being a mom and totally loving that. And I could see myself not being a mom and totally loving that too. Um, I was 36 when I first got pregnant and like my only real indication that I, you know, was starting to get into that, like hormonal, maybe want a baby thing is I started crying because of the, so it's wild child. Um, It's a country song, and it's, like, that. the end of it, the mom, like, picks up the daughter, which, of course, makes me emotional now. So maybe I'm still postpartum hormones. Who knows? (laughs) Um, So I got pregnant on an oops, actually. Um, I wouldn't say the total oops because we weren't working super hard to avoid it, but we also weren't trying. Um, And I have to say that even though it was my first pregnancy and I honestly didn't know how common miscarriages were. I had this kind of intense, immediate feeling of worry. Um, the multiple pregnancy tests and everything, um, and and I really don't know why. And I don't know if that was some sort of kind of mommy sense or or what. Um, I even went and ordered my own labs to check things like progesterone and everything else. And I think that was mostly because of the time I was traveling for work, and so I couldn't see a doctor. Um, I was going to be on the east coast for uh, two months, so since I was on an HMO plan, I couldn't um, I couldn't see a doctor to kind of ease my worries. Um, I ended up deciding to see a doctor self pay on the east coast. Um, I was eight weeks and went in and saw the heartbeat, and everything seemed seemed fine. Um, she well, she I don't know the gender, but um, was measuring a few days behind. But since we weren't trying, I wasn't really that worried about it. Um, I didn't know exactly when I ovulated because obviously I wasn't tracking, didn't know anything about tracking ovulation. And so at that point, I really kind of like let go. Um, I felt way better. I felt like, hey, this is, this is going to work and, you know, this is going to be fine. And I started my trip um, back to uh, California um, and, you know, it was was starting to think about everything that you know we were going to do to prepare for this baby, and starting to think about you know what's the gender. And of course, in my mind, I thought um, I thought it was a girl. Um, and so then I went to an ultrasound just to establish care in California, where I live. And you know I go in by myself and completely and totally com- confident. And so when we're sitting there and she brings up the image on the screen and measures. And it's saying eight weeks. I'm like, no, I'm 10, you know, and immediately I knew something was wrong. And so, you know, the doctor keeps looking in that like, you know, kind of terrible silence that feels like 20 minutes, but is, you know, probably 15 seconds. And she doesn't, you know, immediately confirm anything. Um, She says she wants to do another ultrasound with a better machine and so they send me across town and this experience was just kind of terrible I mean the ultrasound tech was very sweet but you know sending me across town and then the ultrasound tech didn't say anything you know she turned the screen away from me and everything else and so you're kind of dealing with multiple emotions like you know that something's terribly wrong but they're not confirming it for you so you like it prolongs this and i kind of feel like practitioners should just be honest <laughs> from the start i mean um because i think that was that was a really hard part of it and so then i go home and i'm waiting and um she calls and says you know there's no heartbeat and goes over the options and Um, Since we were 10 weeks, well, eight weeks is what, I was 10 weeks gestation and, um, you know, the uh, baby was measuring eight weeks. She said that a DNC would probably be her suggestion. And I agreed because I really wasn't sure that I could deal with the whole, you know, passing everything um, on my own at home. And so um, I found out October 9th, of 2019 that um, there was no heartbeat and I ended up having a DNC on October 15th, which becomes relevant a little bit later. Um, unfortunately, the doctor said that insurance wouldn't pay for any genetic testing since this was my first miscarriage. Um, before they decided there's a problem, I think you have to have three, which sounds just absolutely like horrific. Um, so I never knew what happened or why. Um, you know, you assume some sort of genetic issue, but I mean, obviously you've you've so much doubt in your mind, like what did I do wrong? Like what did my body do wrong? Um and everything else. So um I did kind of my like normal crazy research and um, you know, of course we decided to like actually try to get pregnant again. Um and oh Apparently, Addie's awake. See um, yeah, how she does without me. Um, so, I read It Starts with an Egg. Um, and that book kind of gives you a lot of different things that you can try. And um, I went for every single one of them. And even though I'd only had the one miscarriage, I mean, I went for everything. Um, no plastic, I stopped doing LaCroix in the cans, no parabens, like, I just, like, all natural clears. I mean, I went totally 100% aboard. Um, I took supplements every single day, everything that they had recommended that made sense for me. Um and honestly, I'll tell you that before this, I couldn't re- like remember to take pills at all. There was a reason I was not on um, <laughs> birth control that required pills. I always did the patches or whatever because, like, if I had to take a pill every day, I would, I would definitely forget. Um, I use the prove strips and ovulation predictors, and the reason I use the prove strips is because in my testing before, my progesterone seemed a little bit low. Um, so. That was a concern for me. Now, of course, it was low to me. Uh, my doctor didn't seem concerned about it, and I have to tell you, this entire entire process was incredibly, incredibly stressful. Um, I think if I had to do it again, I would probably have like tried to dial myself back and maybe only do twenty five percent of what I was doing instead of the whole thing. But I guess that's kind of my personality. Um, And also looking back on it, it felt like it took forever. Um, But I guess I'm incredibly impatient because I had the DNC in October. Um, I got my period back in November and then I was pregnant after my cycle in January. So I guess that was two or three periods. So not very long. Um, Same thing I did, you have no idea how many pregnancy tests. Which, by the way, the Wondofo ones that you can buy on Amazon that are just the little sticks are just as sensitive as the early pregnancy test. Um, so I did them back to back. And so save your money. Um, because I know, like, even though I say, you know, continuing to track like pregnancy tests is not going to help you, you're going to do it anyways, just like I did. Um, and so same things. Um, except for this time, I actually went on progesterone, um, which helped me feel better. Um, I don't know that it really did anything. And I kind of feel like maybe I bullied my doctor into it. And my doctor, she was like really a saint at the beginning of my pregnancy because, you know, she understood the the miscarriage and everything else. Um, We had several early ultrasounds, which, you know, made me feel a lot better. Um, And uh, but I would say, like, I honestly probably didn't relax until she was moving around. Once she was moving around, um, and I say she because I knew because I'm a geriatric mother. So, of course, we did the um, the genetic testing and everything came back. So, I knew her gender at nine weeks, which was pretty cool. Um, but I can also say, like, I honestly really didn't bond with her, um, when she was in Yundaro, like, I knew she was there, but she stayed really theoretical in my mind, you know, even when she was kicking around, like, she, she just didn't seem real, and I don't know if that was some sort of protective mechanism, Um, but even so, I felt pretty confident, um, you know, throughout the, you know, probably 22 weeks and beyond, Um, and so I, my job's really important to me, and um, I travel a lot for work. And when I'm traveling, I'm on my feet all the time. And I'm dealing with hundreds of people and um, really big events and everything else. And so I wanted to keep active. Um, in fact, I did a half marathon the day I found out I was pregnant with her. Um, and, you know, I kept running, cycling, bicycling. I went mountain biking. I mean, not seriously mountain biking. But, and, you know, I will say something about that. Like just do you like do whatever you're comfortable with. Um, you know, you know, your limits as far as what you can handle. Um, you know, I think if I had mentioned that, you know, I was going to go mountain biking or I was bicycling outside to people when I was pregnant, there would have been a lot of mom shaming. And I just have to say like that needs to stop, you know, as, as athletes, we know our limits and we know what we can do. So just respect that mother's, um, instincts and also know that like no mother is going to do something above her her limits um so anyways a little aside there um but that was important to me because i work in events and we actually hadn't because because of coronavirus um our whole schedule got ripped upside down um, we were supposed to finish our season in september but then we had um, events that went into october and of course i was due october 15th which is a little crazy because um obviously that's the day of my a year um from my dnc and so we had an event um an hour from my hometown in indianapolis where i was going to be 40 weeks pregnant (laughs) and i wanted to make it to that event and um we decided that i would give birth in indiana uh, which would be kind of nice because then i'd be there with my mom and my grandparents and everyone else um But that also involved me working, walking around, you know, taking 10,000 steps a day at 40 weeks. Um, I went on the Tuesday before I gave birth. um, I went in and um, she told me I was three or four centimeters. And so... I was like, okay, what does that mean? And she said, well, that means that you could sit like this for a couple of days or you could go into labor today, I don't really know. And so I went ahead and headed down to the event anyways and said, well, if you know, I go into labor, I go into labor. And I didn't, um, we were there the whole time, um, walking around, being active, doing everything I could do. But I will say that the doubt started creeping in again. I think because I was googling all the things that could go wrong in the birth and everything else, and partially I was googling that because I wanted to educate um, my my partner, the father. But um, I started to get nervous again, um, and you know the wait for the baby was a little bit um, was definitely it felt like a really long week. Um, so I went in on Tuesday. They said it was three to four centimeters. And I did not go into labor until the very next Tuesday night. Um, It was 11.50 and I woke up and I was like, oh, is that a cramp? And then a couple minutes later, I was like, oh, that was another cramp. And then I timed them and they were three minutes apart. And I'm like, I think I was supposed to go to the doctor when they were four. But they didn't feel terrible. They just felt like kind of slightly uncomfortable. wasn't a big deal. I like flat ironed my hair, not to look pretty, but I think just to do something. You know, while waiting an hour to make sure there were really contractions and not Braxton hicks because i hadn't had any Braxton hicks at all and i go in and um you know i've got my birth plan i've got everything planned out and i've got it written down and you know i'm not going to do any interventions i you know don't want to have an epidural nothing and so we get there and um, they see that i'm six centimeters so we get there about two in the morning. They see them six centimeters. They go ahead and put me in a room, and then things go to 11. And I don't know why, because of course, this is my first baby, and the contractions are right on top of each other. And I feel like, you know, I'm the exorcist, and it's just absolutely fucking terrible. Um, and I'm like, I can't do this for eight hours. You guys are nuts. I can't. Do- I'm like a strong person. I've done Iron Man, I spent 13 years in the military, and I cannot do this for eight hours. And of course, nobody told me that there is a thing called precipitous labor, which I was, I was definitely in. And um, so then they measure me again, and I'm 10 centimeters, and so it's time to push. And uh, they, um, I think I started pushing at 315, and she was born at 350. So I was in the hospital for less than two hours, and i was um having you know inactive labor knowing that i was having contractions for about four so um an incredibly fast labor um made it through everything's great they put the baby on my chest and she starts trying to get the placenta out and then the doctor starts apologizing and apologizing and apologizing and i'm sitting there thinking oh god what is going to happen are they going to have to like you know take me to surgery and As it turns out, yes. Now here it is, October 14th, 2020. October 15th, 2019, I'd had a DNC to remove um, my first baby. And here I am having another DNC to remove my placenta, which wouldn't deliver. Um, Same thing, we're in there and she starts, she's trying to get the placenta and can't. And she starts apologizing again. And I'm like, whoa, I'm gonna lose my uterus here. Like this is getting serious. I'm going from, you know, natural, no epidural labor to I'm in an operating room. Um, Thankfully, she was able to get the placenta without anything, um, without um, having to do a C-section. So that was good. Um, But of course, now my birth plan just went to shit. Um, You know, I didn't get that time to breastfeed right after. I didn't get the golden hour. In fact, I had to like lay in this, you know, recovery room for thirty to forty-five minutes. I'm just being like I want to get to my baby, you know. Like I didn't have a natural birth to not get to my baby, but there kind of would have been no point in freaking out about all of it because um, there was nothing I could do to control it. And so, you know, even though I had the birth plan and stayed active and did everything I needed to do, you know, we had um, a quick birth with no complications until the placenta. You know, I think. He, you need to stay flexible with your expectations um, for birth. Um, And thankfully I was able to kind of flip on the fly. And so I don't necessarily have like this grief over, you know, the birth that I missed Um, because, you know, now that she's three months old, it seems so inconsequential, you know, like the amount of time that I've had to bond with her since has been, you know, has way, over um overshadowed that that losing of that golden hour um you know i will say that breastfeeding is really hard at least for me um it's i was not prepared for how hard it was going to be um i decided i want to breastfeed to 6 months and i'm 3 months now and it's still i'm an under supplier so i'm still um, supplementing about three to nine ounces a day kind of just depends on how much she eats um, and I think you know like I'm back on it again on buying all the supplements and doing all the tricks and all the things and I'm like super focused on it and um, I wish I could find a way to you know just kind of let it happen and just enjoy you know the time um, breastfeeding and I'm getting closer. But I think it's all kind of tied into that, you know, doubt about your body, um, you know, um, that came up from, from the first miscarriage, you know, like doubting that my body is capable of doing all this. And, and obviously, you know, it is, um, she's absolutely beautiful, um, perfect baby. um, And we're so thankful for that. Um, So And I guess my next thing is, um, I plan on doing my second Ironman October 21st of 2021, assuming that all of this is over and um, we can do those again. So that'll be a year postpartum. Um, And obviously that'll give me something to, you know, focus on and to strive for. And, um, you know, really kind of try to move my fitness goals you know, from something based on the aesthetic, which is you know what it was pre-pregnancy, to based on you know functional fitness. Um, and so, hired a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, and that's been really helping me to keep good expectations and not go crazy type A and work out too hard and cause um, cause trauma. So, so that's been that's been really good. And I'm just kind of excited to be a mom and watch her grow up.
0: Awesome. No, I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be?
1: Um, you know, if, if you want to pee on all the sticks, pee on all the sticks, you know, if you <laughs> want to go crazy, go crazy. Don't feel guilt about that. You know, I think like I felt a little bit of guilt and, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not, um, my other half, he's great and he's super supportive and whatever, but he kind of did make fun of that. And like, I had maybe a little bit of guilt or maybe a little bit of like, you know, shame around it. And if you're going to do it, own it and love it. It's fine. I always felt like a drug addict
0: hiding in the bathroom and then I, and then I'd hide my sticks. (laughs) Oh yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't throw them away because I didn't want him to see. (laughs) Oh, I still have. I actually, I
1: kept the very first pregnancy test I took from my miscarriage um, and I still have it. And I'm really glad I did. Yeah. Because that's like, you know, other than the ultrasound pictures, I don't have anything else, you know?
0: So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I probably had hundreds of sticks in my drawers and I just threw them away not too long ago. It's hard to throw them away too. Like even the negative one, like it's just weird. And then like throughout my pregnancy, like my rainbow baby pregnancy, I couldn't throw them away at all because I thought it was bad luck. Oh, yeah. Like your mind yeah, yeah. just goes to some pretty strange things. Yeah, I still realized. have all mine, too. They're all, well,
1: I have most of mine. They're yeah. Seeing, like, the line progressions and all that stuff. And, yeah. You know, they're part of it. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I'll probably throw away the ones from from Addie because, obviously, you know, I've got Addie. Yeah. Um, but And now he thinks I'm crazy because I'm doing that, the breastfeeding jewelry thing that you suggested.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, oh I guess gosh. we got those. Oh, I wish I could have done that. I'm glad you yeah. jumped on it because I don't have any breast milk and I would have loved to have done that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he thinks I'm nuts. He's like, seriously. And I'm like, you know what? It is freaking hard and eats up so yes, much of my life that I want, you know, something to yeah. For like
0: sure. a little trophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Oh sure. uh, goodness. Well, if somebody wants to reach out to you, Nicole, where could they do so? Um on Instagram. I actually just changed my
1: handle um from what I texted you. Um, it's okay. now, um, iron underscore mother. And that's because I'm kind of in a new thing of my life. Like my original Instagram handle was, you know, for my motorcycle racing. And so now I'm focusing on becoming an iron man postpartum. So, um, that's on you.
0: And what did, did you say? Iron underscore mother? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I appreciate it. I know everybody listening appreciates it as well. And good luck with all of your training for your Ironman.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good one.
0: We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share your life after miscarriage story, go to ShellyMetling.com. Click on the life after miscarriage tab and add yourself right to the recording schedule. And I can't wait to chat with you soon. This one.